We were just about to step into this morning's liturgy, and I had to turn to Annette and say, I'm not sure I know what I'm doing this morning. And that gives me pause to wonder, do we ever really know what we're doing when we gather together as a Christian community? Or do we really know what we're doing when we take on the Christian life? I have to wonder. One of our local authors, Annie Lamont, talks about if we really knew what we were doing when we came to church, we might not come at all, or at least we would have the good sense to wear hard hats and protective clothing. Because there is a way when we encounter the readings of scripture and when we gather together as community and when we share in sacrament that we are playing with dynamite. Spiritual dynamite at least. We risk upending our own lives, turning ourselves over to this wild and strange God. Our readings today are filled with the ironies of this wild and strange God, beginning with this passage from Isaiah, which begins with those beautiful words, Comfort, comfort ye my people, as the older translations would have it. And yet it seems to go back and forth between this, this beautiful comprehension of a God who is coming to embrace us and at the same time embracing and acknowledging our own vulnerability and mortality. This strange sense that our life is brief and short and yet God is coming. God is coming for us. What exactly is Isaiah getting at by reflecting back on us our own vulnerability and our own limitations. The second letter to Peter is talking about a big problem for the early Christian community, particularly in the latter part of the first century. The notion that Jesus is coming back and coming back soon had started to wear thin for many of these communities. This sense that Jesus' return was imminent had worn so thin, in fact, people were probably starting to get grumpy and grumble. And so this letter was written for one of these late first century Christian communities to remind them that God's time is not their time, nor our time. To reflect back to them this sense in which God's purpose is still being worked out. And this time is to be seen not as a time of tribulation, but a time of opportunity for repentance and transformation. A sign actually of God's favor and mercy. It is not improbable that this community had experienced the fire that the author is talking about. They had probably experienced some level of persecution. They probably knew that being together in Christian community was dangerous, possibly even to their own lives. They had been tried by the fire. And there is this hint, this barest hint, 
perhaps it is by keeping the faith that they will catch a glimpse of Christ already among them. It's as though it's the first inkling that the second coming is already happening. Jesus is returning, even now, if we dare look at it. And then to cap things off today, we have this reading from the opening of Mark. Mark, who is founding a completely new genre in all of world literature. He opens with this briefest of verses, introducing the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The good news is the root of that word, gospel. And he is putting together Jesus' teachings and the stories about him and the stories of salvation for all people in a way that has never been seen before and actually never seen since. Because the Gospels are part biography and part teaching and part exhortation and part mysticism and part apocalyptic, they seem to throw everything together and stir them so that they become a new thing, a new thing for the faithful to carry on the work that Jesus has begun. So there is a way that Mark doesn't know what he's doing either, quite honestly. He's pushing out on a new path. And he begins with somebody else who probably didn't know exactly what he was doing, John the Baptist, out at the very edge of civilization, standing at the Jordan. But there's something about John that is drawing people away from the familiar paths in Jerusalem. It doesn't make sense that they're going out for a ritual that was probably reserved for Gentiles. It doesn't make sense that they are turning their backs, even for a moment, on the temple cult and the patterns of life built up around that that were probably so familiar to them. It doesn't make sense that they're going out to see this wild-eyed crazy man dressed in camel hair who is demanding that they turn themselves over to God in a way that is so radical that they will not go back the same people that they came. They will be different and they go back to Jerusalem. What is it that they are seeking? And did they remember their hard hats and their flat gear? The message of the second Sunday of Advent is about repentance. And when most of us use that word, we don't know what we're doing. Because it means moving out from the center of who we think we are to the margins of who we might be. And of embracing the message of those 
whom we have ignored for so long. Of listening to those we thought had nothing to offer us. Of turning our lives over to someone we scarcely understand or comprehend. Of preparing ourselves to be turned upside down and inside out in ways that we can't even begin to imagine. Mountains, you see, are to be climbed to encounter God, and valleys are places where we are supposed to find comfort and nourishment. And yet, John the Baptist is saying, level the mountains and raise the valleys. Get out of the ruts of your life. Set aside the notion that you think you know what you're doing. Because God is coming. The Messiah is coming. And making the way for the Messiah involves giving up everything you thought you knew. What does that mean for you today? And if you think you have the answer, you probably don't know what you're doing either. The second Sunday of Advent is about letting go of knowing what we're doing. So that perhaps we may catch the barest glimpse of what God is doing. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley dot O-R-G. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon.